Hello, 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 and welcome to Tease Me. This is a podcast about the intersection of golf, business, and life. And occasionally we'll drop some gems on networking and just how that makes your life better. Because knowing more than one person is actually a good thing. Hello, 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 and welcome to Tease Me. It's March and it's Women's Her Story Month. Yes, her story. So I'm excited to tell you about all the great things that women have done. But you already know that because you were born and here you are in life. It wouldn't be a story and it wouldn't be exciting to talk about Women's Her Story Month without bringing up some of the major issues that face women in the workplace. Aside from a lack of equity and a lack of pay equity, specifically, a lack of diversity and representation on boards and a lack of fair and equal treatment, we'll still celebrate and we'll watch companies talk about all of the great women and have no women in leadership positions. These things are called, it's time to ask for receipts. Yes, I've changed my voice so that you could hear the emphasis on time to ask for receipts. Yes, it is time to call companies out for their blatant disregard of treating and giving equity to women. Yes, it's time. Are you a corporation looking to make meaningful and impactful long-lasting change? Are you looking at your diversity and inclusion numbers and wondering, why can't we get this right? Have you hired a specialist and still not seeing the effects and the results long-term? Well, change doesn't happen overnight. Trust me. But what you can do is start to measure the changes that you are making. What you can do is measure the sentiment and measure the inclusion factors that help create a stronger culture. Now, I love to use golf as a tool to build community. However, it's about having the conversation. Are you a company that's unprepared to deliver receipts? Contact N18. Now that the commercial's over, let me introduce you to our guest. She's our Shiro. Sheena Pegaron, mother, wife, and golf advocate, has been in love with the sport of golf ever since she picked up the club at the young age of seven. After competing throughout her youth and young adult years, Sheena now expresses her passion for golf on and off the course. She is the president and co-founder of the Shady Rest Golf Club, which is preparing to celebrate the 100-year anniversary of the Shady Rest Country Clubhouse. It is the first African-American-owned country club in the United States and home to PGA golf pro John Shippen in Scotch Plains, New Jersey. As president of the club, Sheena works with the local community to spread awareness of the history of the Shady Rest and to promote the game of golf to African-American youth. She's also a board member of the Preserve Shady Rest Committee, a 501c3 organization that is in the process of obtaining status as a national historic landmark while preserving the important history. Aside from her daily 18 holes, Sheena is a mother of three and the CEO of the disability support nonprofit Peaks Developmental Service. Her passion for golf continues as she is in the process of pursuing her PGA professional golfer status and intends to use her platform to teach and inspire young children, especially young girls who look like her, to pick up the game of golf. She is also a brand ambassador for the golf apparel and tech brand We Know Us LLC. Let's welcome Sheena Pegaron. Okay, welcome to Tease Me, everyone. So it is Women's History Month, and we have a female phenom here today. Um, Sheena, if you don't know, she's actually a mother, wife, and golf advocate. And so what I love about Sheena's story is that she is out here just representing Shady Rest and doing the work of getting people into the game, getting kids and people of color into the game. So Sheena, tell us your story. Like, how did you get into golf? So it was crazy. Every time I tell a story, no one can believe it. Uh, my dad was actually in um, having a business meeting 
and I had the chicken pox and he was like watching me. He was trying to close this deal. And he was like, you have to come to the golf course with me. So we went to the driving range and here I am with like mittens on. So I won't scratch myself. And, um, he gave me a whole bunch of balls in a club from the, the country club. And I just started hitting. I didn't know what I was doing. I was there for a legit 30 minutes. And the guy from the pro shop was like, well, just fix this a little bit. And, you know, told me how to stand. And all I know, when my dad came back, he was like, you need to enter her in this tournament. So I was about eight and a half. And um, it's so crazy because in that following couple of weeks or so, I had just turned nine. And I entered this tournament that was like from 10 to 12. And I placed first. And my dad couldn't believe it. Ever since then, he, we just like took off. Wow. So you are at Shady Rest right now. Tell me about like what your role is there and what you're doing with the, at the Shady Rest Country Club. So the Shady Rest um, is near and dear to my heart because I played at that um, specific course since I was a young child, like around 10 years old, I started playing there with no idea the history of this course because it is a municipal public course um, and the building was always there and I've never known what it was for up until about a year and a half ago. So um, I'm actually on the Preserve Shady Rest Committee and uh, it sounds exactly what it is. We're trying to preserve the building, preserve the museum. And out of that, um, the late great Lamont Davis, um, he wanted to start a country club and unfortunately he passed away just in the peak of things. So um, I took over as president and one of the founders um, today's date, we have over 30 members, um, and that's going to continue to keep growing once we keep putting our story out there. Um, and it's imperative that people know about the Shady Rest just because that's the mecca for our culture of golf. So, okay. So I don't think people know the history. So why don't you give us like a little history lesson right now? Oh my God, you're going to test me. I've been, I've been slowly learning. Um, so I have to give a shout out to Miss Sylvia Hicks. Uh, she is the president of the board of the Preserve Shady Rest Committee. And she's the one, I was trying to get her to, you know, maybe pop in because she doesn't live far, um, but she couldn't, unfortunately. But she's the one that uh, give people tours of the museum. So she'll know more than me. Um, so I might be off a little bit, but you can always visit a preserveshadyrest.org um, for the exact information. So um, the, the Preserve Shady Rest has been around for hundreds of years. Well, a hundred years, it made a hundred years this year. Um, and it was the first African-American country clubhouse. So they never really called it a country club, it was called the country clubhouse. Um, and it was all, it was majority for black people. So it was the only country club in the nation. And I wanna say probably to this day, I mean, I didn't do my research, but probably to this day. So they just didn't play golf, they played tennis. They held the first annual African-American tennis match there. Um, uh, and then of course they played uh, what you call hickory stick, like the hickory sticks and in golf. So our job for the Shady Rest uh, Golf Club is just to continue the legacy by simply playing golf. So I always gotta, you know, separate the two that we just simply play golf by continuing that legacy. But the preserved Shady Rest was all sports. Interesting. So one of the other stories that I've heard about Shady Rest is that it's the home to the PGA golf pro, John Shippen. John Shippen, What's that yeah. backstory? So yeah, so John Shippen started out, um, I think he was originally from the South. Again, if I'm off, please go to the website. <laughs> but he was originally from the South and um, being as though he was African descent, that he wasn't allowed to play on those courses or even to enter a tournament. Um, he made his way to Jersey, Scott Hills, Union County, New Jersey, 
and he's the, he became the first African-American PGA Tour member. So all of his history is here. One of our um, board members, um, Mr. Thurman Simmons, he's dedicated his life to search for John Shippen's history. He found his grave, he got him a tombstone, he got his original putter. So um, a lot of the information that we know about John Shippen today came from him. Wow, that is so powerful. I'm more fascinated about your story though. So tell me, you know, as a young girl starting to play golf, how did you, I mean, like, were there role models? How did you stick to it? Because it wasn't. So I, this, this is why I do what I do today. Because me personally, I don't really follow golf. Um, that's not my job. My job is to start with us being like this front line, you know, of uh, instructors is to get the kids out there more. So for me growing up, we didn't even have children's golf clubs. My dad would get adult clubs and get them cut just to my size. And I've never had a role model. It was just me. And what kept me going is because not only was I a female, I was a black female. So when we felt like Jersey became too little for us competing and my dad, he literally quit his job and we would just like go to different states to compete. It, the, the drive in me was like, I'm a you know little black girl from New Jersey. And that would be some titles and they little articles in these towns. It was crazy. But um, to then about, I want to say when I was in my teens, Tiger Woods came out. He was like this big sensation. And then I was like, oh, well, I'm going to be like him. I'm going to follow in his footsteps, you know. But to this day, I still don't have a role model in terms of who I'm striving to be besides myself. So that's what I want kids that, you know, we give lessons to or that we speak to that be your own role model because it works. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. And then when I think about like just you going to those competitions with your dad, how did you get over like the fear of being the only person as a as a child? Because I see grown women right now that are mm. uncomfortable going to the golf course, black, white, Asian, no matter what, oh, wow. because they feel like they're the only person or they just don't feel comfortable. But you did it and rocked it as a, a, as a young lady. So what was giving you the incentive to just show up? I think that comes from home. You know, my dad is I come from one of eight. And my dad, you know, he don't, we celebrate Kwanzaa. So, you know, I came from that background where we are proud to, to make others feel uncomfortable or us becoming comfortable in uncomfortable situations. So every time we will get to the course, we had like a routine. The day before we would fly out a day before, we would walk the course, just me and my dad. We would like read it mentally. He gonna, he'll say to me, I'm not gonna be able to walk with you on the course. And maybe some kids that don't look like you, you know, you can say to yourself, you feel comfortable. You can be friendly when you're uncomfortable. But if anytime anybody gets disrespectful, do not say, let me handle it. Uh, but when you can play, you know, no one is really just, they probably mad, but I never saw that. I really just came there every time I'm on a course with like a tunnel vision, you know, and it would be like black staff around some of the places, um, uh, specifically in like Colorado Springs. So um, it would be like a lot of black staff around there and it'll all be like rooting for me and stuff like that. And I kind of felt comfortable in some places when there was staff working around, which is, you know, kind of sad within itself, too. Um, but that's how I made myself feel a little bit comfortable. I just like toned it all out. So let's talk about that mindset. Like, how have you tried to teach other kids to have that tunnel vision mindset and stay super focused? Mm -hmm. So um, it's so funny to ask. I just did like a little um, Zoom with a, a, a group of kids and, you know, you try to get the inner city kids to believe that golf is for us too. 
and they don't want to really hear it until you say those little stories or, you know, um, I had little situations growing up where, you know, my, it was me and my dad on the road and I would have like, you know, a pent up weed ponytail or something. It would come off and he didn't know how to put it up. So I'm trying to make my situation a little bit more relevant to them that we may not belong on a course because we don't look the part, but we can play the part with just a natural athleticism that we have as a culture. So one thing I, I have been saying to them is, you know, think of all the celebrities that's out there. Look at Tiger Woods documentary. Look at LeBron James. Look at the situations he went in and to camps that he had to go to where, you know, in his city, it might be a whole bunch of black kids that only play basketball, but when he had to get really, really good um, training, it, he would be the only black person. Like think of all those type of people. And then I will come back to me and say that the tunnel vision effect that you have is that you always want to be the first in your mind, whether you're the first one on the team or the first one who ever did it. You always want to be the first. Wow. So when I think about the kids that are coming, how are they finding your program and how, how do they find you? You know, thank God for social media. It has like, it's, it's so bittersweet. You know, for my kids, I want to get them like screen time. Like you can't be on so long, but it works. You know what I mean? So um, I just found out a couple of years, uh, maybe two or three years ago that you got to start using like hashtags and things like that. So I would hashtag like black girl golfers, black golfer matter. And because, you know, to be honest, that's what it is now. Like, we, you know, we're putting a staple on who we are. And a lot of people have been finding me. And I was just so surprised that the black golf community is as big as it is. Like, I was really, really surprised. And um, by me doing that, people were like inboxing me. Like, so you play golf, were you in Jersey? We should link up. And I'm finding people on the West Coast who don't have all that black golf in their area. So they're like, you know, we should come out there. What is Shady Rest? So then I got to, you know, introduce them to the Shady Rest. But it's been amazing. Social media has worked wonders for us and for myself. Absolutely. So here's what I struggle with. You play golf all of your childhood into your adulthood. And now it's not until social media comes about that we're starting to discover these other communities of black golfers. What do you think could be better or like what, what's been missing? Why does social media have to be the trend? Exactly. I think what's been missing is because I'm going to be bluntly honest. Nobody really watches the golf channel, right? Nobody really watches the golf channel. And if you want Stephen A. Smith to talk about you, you got to be like famous. So it's not really out there. Like what is really out there for people to be like, I'm scrolling through my everyday channel and see it. Nobody's reading magazines no more because they're all on the phone. So uh, if I had to guess that um, for people to get out there, it would have to be almost something so spectacular. And I think the Shady Red story alone, whether it's coming from me or if it's coming from the preserves, um, Shady Rest Committee, once someone hears it and it becomes like so abroad, whether it's like just on TV or just on a different, someone else's bigger platform, I think that it will draw more attention. I agree. Let me just put the shout out to uh, Tyler Perry, uh, Will Packer, um, Gabrielle Union, oh, Wade, Wade, anybody that is looking to produce some content. Here's a story right here. Um, if there's a channel yes. that want to cover this, uh, I'll go in and shout out. Um, let's shout out BET, uh, ESPN. Y'all yes, yes, failed yes. us already. So I'm not shouting out ESPN. <laughs> uh, That's no offense, but I'm just saying, let's, yeah, yeah. Let, you know, if you're going to do it for the culture, then let's do it for the let's culture. Let's right. show let's the story. Right. But, you know, right. someone hit me up and was like, oh, J.R. Smith is an avid golfer. And, you know, he's right here in Jersey. Like, he's not, I'm in Union County. He's, they say he grew up in Estes County. So that's like 20, 30 minutes from me. But I'm like, 
all right, well, use that information and get it to him, you know, because I really feel like, well, the Preserve Shady Rest, um, uh, they have areas that they need help from. So we always um, ask them for donations and things like that. As far as the golf club goes, you know, we just, we just don't want to stop at home in Jersey. You know, the goal is to spread the information. People be proud of who we are. And it be like these golf clubs in multiple states that, that are Shady Rest. This is just beginning. I love it. I love it. And then like, if you had to tell me what you love most about the course, how many holes is it? What is it? Tell me what's your oh. <laughs> favorite part about the court, like the actual I just course. I was there this morning. So I'm there every day, like, because that's, I practice there. So it's a nine hole course. It's a little challenging. It's well kept. It's well kept. And um, the thing I love about it, and it's so funny. Um, again, I just came from LA. So my husband and I played there. And he was, and we played at a nine hole course and he's like, you killed it. And he's like, you just play. Like I have, I play with like no effort when I'm playing at home at Scotch Hills, you know, it's just like a practice for me. Sometimes I bring like three or four clubs only. I don't even bring a whole bag. So what I love most about it is probably like the second hole, the second hole to this day, like I'm always bogey and I can't part that hole or bring that hole for nothing. But I think for people who do come out and play, like some of our members, you know, we get members who've never even been to that part of Jersey or that course. Um, so when they, you know, know the history, they want to hurry up and come out and play. So for them, I I normally don't play when all the members are playing. I like drive around a cart, make sure everybody have everything. And it's so funny because everyone's like, man, this course is a little tough, you know. So it's definitely a great course to come out to. Awesome. Awesome. So now if you were to tell me, what were you doing out in L.A.? Can you share? I can't really share what I was doing in LA, um, uh, but I did do uh, register myself in like this little tournament. So hopefully when everything gets released for the tournament, I'll be able to share. Okay, okay, hold on one second. I feel mm -hmm. like I'm thinking about all of the different ways that Shady Rest and the children need to see you. What other ways are, would you say, we could attract more kids to the game? Um, so right now we're in the work of linking up with All Access. Um, all access, they provide lessons um, for kids in New York area. I want to say Tri-State area because they're going to merge with some other people. But um, right now, um, it's we're trying to figure out how the Shady Rest can help their kids, whether it's giving them lessons, sponsoring a kid for a tournament, donating golf clubs and things like that. But currently, um, again, like I spoke about earlier, I do speak to some um, golf programs, just virtually for now, letting them know, trying to get them excited because nobody wants to play golf. Come on, at, at, at 13, 14, they don't want to play golf. My kids play golf, they have no choice. But, <laughs> but most kids don't want to play. So I'm just getting them hyped, you know, things like that. And then when we are, we did have the opportunity to be on the course um, two, two summers ago. You know, I would bring my little, you know, beat pill so they can listen to music. Let them know golf is not just, just serious. Even when I give lessons, I make them bring ear headphones. They can listen to their own music and turn out. So I'm excited to work with um, the Shady Rest work with All Access this summer. So we got them locked and loaded and just focus on their children this summer and not try to get all these other ones and get us all mixed up and be crazy. I love it. I love it. So you mentioned that you've got your kids into golf. Is that just mm -hmm. a lot of pressure that they are, their mom is like this golf pro and they're expected mm -hmm. to be excellent? Like what's happening? What are your kids feeling? That's so funny that you say that. That's so funny because 
We are very competitive. My oldest son is 14 and he is um, a three sport athlete. So he is, he plays baseball, basketball and cross country. My daughter is seven and she's a gymnast and she plays basketball. So we are all, and my husband um, ran collegiate track. So we are all, and we think in the, the two-year-old is going to be a, like a football player. So we are all competitive, like competitive. So if I tell them today, like, oh yeah, I'm a, you know, I'm going in an amateur tournament. Or if I say I play second, they'll be like, oh, you're trash. They don't, they don't care. <laughs> they don't care at all. So when I say, oh, well, come me, because I'm at the driving range. That's how I start my mornings. It's almost every day. So when I do go to driving range, my daughter, who's seven, she's just like, I want her to play so bad. But it's the reason why um, golfers and tennis players, somehow soccer players, you don't see their kids playing because it's really a stressful sport when you're competing. But my daughter, she has such like a natural, I just see her in me so much, but she has no patience. She's like, not in holes. I'm only on the second one. Like she's like over it. She has no, but she does so, it's like incredible. She's only seven. My son, since he plays baseball, it's only natural that he swings hard. So, but I hope they stick with it. They're not really beat. They think it's too long and boring again. So I try to make our three whole course days, like music, snacks. I try to make it as fun as possible. I feel like that's a challenge for most kids, just the length of time. And even some adults, like they don't want to commit to it because it takes them five hours. How, how do you think that people should try to balance that part of the game, like the commitment mm-hmm. and the time? Well, practice. So you put yourself like... um when it's time for me to compete, so this season I will be competing in a couple of amateur tournaments. But for me, um, and I, it's just been the same routine for years, um, the day before I walk the course, I still do that with my headphones on, I listen to music, and I figure it out. I'm like, all right, if it's a hill this way, like where's the slope for me to walk flat? You know, I do, I premeditate the whole course. And then the day of um, play, again, I try to zone out. You know, golf has changed tremendously so it was a time where my dad could never caddy for me now your parents can caddy for you so I feel like for kids that took a lot of load off because you would have a whole stranger um not even caddy for you you was holding your own bag but you just had monitors taking score and that was like no nerve-wracking you know because you'll be like I think I scored a four and they're like nope it was a six you know but now you have your parents so I think that'll help them more and I have seen some kids on the course like their airpods on and I think like that's awesome because again, you need that tunnel vision. You need to zone out because people can get in your head. I, you know, my dad used to be like, what did that person say to you? These be other kids talk to me like, oh, you're from Jersey. Oh, you sound like you're from Jersey. And I'd be like, you know, about to tee off, like, well, how do I sound? You know, and right. it, will, it will really get in my head. So I think the things that they have out now and the things that they can do can help them a lot. Okay, so I think the adults need, any adult listening to this needs that same advice. So how do we tune people out? Because I feel like it's almost like intentional when other people try to get into your head and say, oh, watch out for that water. Now, I didn't mm-hmm. even see that water until you said it. <laughs> like, are you serious? Exactly. So how do you help people tune out? Or like, what would you tell adults that are struggling with staying focused? Well, I would be very professional say the proper golf etiquette is you have to be quiet when I'm seeing up. So that's me, right? <laughs> that's me. But the hood in me, if I'm playing with like my friends, I'm like, well, why would you do that? Like, you know, I have to say stuff like that. But all seriousness, I think that, you know, for, if people want to get in your head and you're not getting paid to do it, you're just going out there on a friendly, um, you know, just going out there to have fun. 
let them talk because guess what? Talk trash too, you know? I see that all the time. I really actually don't like playing with my husband because it be coming off like, oh, this is cute. You know, we playing together, you know, I can finally like de-stress and I'm not training, I'm not competing. And he'll come out of nowhere like, $20, you won't make that. And I'm like, what? Like now, <laughs> now I gotta really make it, you know? So um, if it's fun, just talk trash bag, you know? Do it for the gram, you know? <laughs> A hashtag. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I because I know when money gets involved, I've seen people transform into a whole different. Pre- like, you you started off, you were so polite, and then the yeah, moment yeah. that somebody bet a it got dollar, serious. it got serious. Yeah, it, it gets too serious. serious. So, okay, when we're when we're thinking about just like the future of the game and just different things that we could do to attract um, people of color, attract women, just keep people playing or get them playing. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things that you think could work or help? I think having well. You know, I pray every day that we open back up at 100%. But I think events, like, let's be honest, Black people love parties. So you know what I mean? I go to events, or what was going to events where it's like a demo club will come out or a demo ball will come out or whatever. And it will be packed. Everyone's like cocktail hour and everyone is like, that's only how much it costs. Like, donate where? Where can I get that? What time are we taking off? And I think that you have to have event so people can read and I had this conversation at the um the all access black panel is that you know it's hard for black people to buy into other black people business because sometimes we're not like successful or we don't do it the right way or you know it's all that you know stigma behind it so one thing about the Shady Rest Golf Club is I have been like crossing every team dotting all the I's just to make sure that we're being seen like everyone else so um, my goal is to continue to keep fellowshipping, whether it's six feet apart or not, or whether we close and we get the party on the dance floor. But the future goals when we become 100 percent is to have like these little events. I have spoken to a lot of people. I'm always working and it's always about golf half the time. And I, I talk to a lot of people that I find on social media that are minority golfers. And um, when we do that, it's like, OK, so let's talk about. 2022 2023 is it a venue value i'm always talking about that i even found like this um this little mobile um bar that like comes to different spots like as long as you give us a parking lot and we could talk about the shady rest you bring us some good golfers you know things like that so that that's what i'm looking to do just to draw people in awesome awesome and when i think about so as you've told the story of shady rest 100 years what is the vision for the next 100 years Oh, child. All we keep, that's all I keep hearing. The vision for the next 100 years is for Shady Rest to be in all the states and countries. I know that's like way out of there, but you're talking about 100 years and we're here today with the technology that we have. So um, the 100 years for the Preserve Shady Rest, we had this conversation multiple times, is for that building to continue to be a museum What with more historians to come. Um, prior to all of that, I, prior to us having a golf club, I became a historian just because of my background at the Shady Rest. Um, but for the Shady Rest Golf Club, I want us to start doing our own big tournaments for youth. And although people be like, what about the adults? What, what about y'all? You got you did your own resume, got a job. Like, right. what about the youth? Who is helping them? Yeah. So yes. that's my goal. That's my ultimate goal. So you have the USGA, the PGA, you can have like Shady Rest Golf Club for the youth, just to have our own tournament. To be honest, even a junior PGA, that started k- kicking off when I was about 15, 16, by then I was 18 on golfer. 
So I got to play in it like one or two years. I mean, it was good. I dominated in it, but it didn't really do much for me. Um, and then you Google it now and see who's playing. Tiger Woods is playing in it, you know? Yeah. Well, no one from the tri-state area is playing in it. So that's my goal was keep training these kids from now until 3021. Right. I love it. I love it. So now wait, if I had to think about golf, so you've been playing for a while. What is one of your favorite golf stories? Like, mm, let me think. I got to think about that. But we, me and my dad been through, I, I laugh, we joke all the time. He'll say, you remember that? We've been through some stuff. Um, let me see. I think though, I think the most one that I can think of that's more relevant is when my little ponytail, my little clip fell off. <laughs> oh my God. My ponytail fell off. My dad was just like, I'm going to just put it in your bag. And I was just like so red. Like, but you can't put my hair in my bag because, you know, I got to go and accept this trophy. And I didn't want on the course of this long curly ponytail and I don't have nothing. So I remember, and this is how, this is how old I am, right? I remember my dad like, all right, we got to find a pay phone and call your mother. And we used to call my mother. She's like, and to be very fair, I just been like this tomboy my whole life. So I didn't have like those little feminine touches where I knew how to like lay my edges down. Like, no, I didn't know none of that. So I remember us calling my mom and my dad trying to like fix my hair. And it was just like the worst thing possible. And I just knew that like, I just thought that by the time it was time for me to uh, get my trophy that everyone's going to be like, oh, her hair is different. I was the only black girl. And I think out of the girls, it was like, eight of us so they had made it like a co-ed tournament and I placed first but um I I thought everyone's gonna look and when I came out I didn't realize that my dad like laid all my hair down and when, by the time I seen the pictures and like the article I was like oh he killed it like you know but other than that the only stories that may not be funny to most is me like kicking up on somebody who talked trash like that was my thing like all right I'm gonna just be quiet because I I had to play with a lot of boys because back then it wasn't these big old tournaments. It was like girls and boys. So but other than that, the ponytail one had to be like the most. I love it. I love it. And I think it's so relatable because it's like a hair gone wrong moment and you're trying to recover and save yourself for the photo. Imagine, imagine these days, these girls, that's why I was joking when I was talking to the kids the other week, like, you could come on the course with your lace front, like <laughs> depending upon what glue you're using, but you could come on the you know, the course with your lace front. It won't fly. Right. That's why, to be honest, that's why I wear braids. I think I'm almost traumatized a little bit. Like I have natural, big natural hair, but again, it's so thick. I can't put on a hat. Like I struggle with those natural, those black girl magic moments. Yes. It's a magical mess on the course by the 18th hole. You're like, what happened? That little yeah. twist out is just out, out. It's, just yeah. out. No. Yeah. No. yeah. No. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Is there a favorite course that you love playing besides Shady Rest? Cause I know you were going to say. Uh, I was, I was going to say, yes, it is. So, um, Shady Breast was, um, we founded that course. My, my dad and I found that course because Mr. Thurman Simmons started doing the John Shippen tournaments. And that's how we found it. But I started at Weekway Golf Course in Newark. That uh-huh. is my home stomping ground. Now, Weekway is an 18-hole course, and it's, I am played everywhere. And Weekway is the most toughest course that I still can't break par off. Now, the other day I played in... Um, um California I was 13 under wow. you know but week way I cannot break par for nothing like for nothing and it, it's a great course I don't want to give a lot of give, giveaways I'd rather people like google it and go out and play it um they started the um in the city urban league for black kids 
um, right after I started playing, this was in like 96, I was the only little girl out there playing, knew how to play. And they was like, well, maybe you could get some other girls. I remember um, his name was Mr. Wadu. God soul took me out to um, this like um, port, um, housing authority in Newark and was like, talk to these kids that's playing around here, get them out. He was like a rough little old man. And I remember talking to the kids like, yeah, I play golf, you know? And they're like, what? And that program has taken off to this day. It has taken it. off to this day. Yeah. And I think it's important that they see you and they see just the work that you're doing, but your passion for the game as well. And then, mm -hmm. okay, tell me about this shirt. So you can't see it, people, because you're listening, but she has a shirt oh. that says goat-ish and it's got a, um, a tee, <laughs> a golf ball and a tee. So yes. what is the story with this shirt? So it's so funny. Well, it's it's from, um, we know it was, we know it was as a, um, it's a company that I'm, I just started brand ambassador for. And what they do is they help um, minorities um, be the best version of themselves, whether it's um, needing help with finding a job or starting their own LLC or a nonprofit organization. And um, once they found me, I came across like, oh, this black golfer, you know, well, maybe we could start doing some stuff for you. So we know the shirts are um, black beauty with gold value, which I love. Um, and then I just helped them creatively start doing some church for golf. And this was one of the first ones because the first meeting I had with them, they was like, so you like a little goldish. And I was like, I like that. <laughs> I like that. So I'm, I'm going to have to order me one. So send me one, yes. send me the information. Cause I yes, like that. Yes. They should be coming out in the next week or so. We, um, they got some photo shoots scheduled. They don't want to just put it out just to put it out. So yeah. So I'm a definitely start advertising myself because it's so funny. I think the goldish thing is the funniest. I wore, I wore like a hoodie they gave me, um, to the golf course the other day. And the guy, the pro shop, he was like typing, but wasn't typing. He was like looking at my shirt. And I'm like, what? Ask me about it. Say something, but I don't think he know how to act. So I just put it alone. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Cause it's, I'm like, it's cute and it's chic and I get it. And it's a play on a few yes, good things. Yes, very yes. good things. Yes, yes. Awesome. Awesome. So wait, the fine. So I guess like just wrapping up and just asking a few more things. Tell me about the work that you're doing with the disability nonprofit. Oh my God. So I've been in that field for 15 years now. Um, I work with individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities, um, primarily the adults, because those are the ones who need help. Um, and I started as a group home, working in the group homes, helping them with all the ADL skills, to even learning how to ride a bike. Um, over the years, I made my way up, uh, whether I was doing behaviorism for them. And then after maybe, well, I should say March 10th, made five years I've been running. Um, I started my own business. And what we do there, we support them and their ability. So I do things like job training, continued ed education, residential placement. So that's my passion. That's like my, my second passion, but helping people is what I do. Wow. Your heart is so big. I love it. I love it. And so it's just, you've got the, the clothing brand that you're supporting and that you're, um, I guess you're a brand ambassador for it. Yes. And yes. then the nonprofit to help people with developmental delays and my goodness, the golf and the kids. Is there anything else that you're doing? What else do we need to know? No, nope, nothing else. It's so funny because someone asked me the other day, um, uh, one of my father's friends was asking me when I have um, time, you know, to help him with golf or whatever, whatever. So I was like, give me a minute, I'm cooking. He's like, you cook? I was like, yeah, I cook really well. And he was like, yeah, your dad told me. He's like, oh, you should bake me a cake. I said, oh, I don't bake. So that's one thing I don't do. He's like, because before I got the time, I don't bake. He was like, the mom, the golfer, the bake. I was like, mm-mm, that's one thing. Oh, that is not what I do, honey. I do not know how to bake. 
Okay, so the one thing that you don't do the is bake. The one bake. thing. I don't bake. I do everything else. Okay, so if you had to put a bucket list golf event or a bucket list, actually a bucket list golf course, what would be that one golf course? It's not out yet, but I always stalk the page to look at it. Is Michael Jordan coming out with a course, 23 course. And it's like, how, how cocky could you be? It's like, you don't even want regular people to come there. Like it's only invite only. It's crazy. It's like, it's intertwined with the whole. So like 10 people could put tea off at one time on different whole, like it's, it's incredible. So that's on my bucket list. One day I'm okay. No, no, I'm down for that. If I make it, I'm totally bringing you for my foursome. My foursome yes. is going to be a dope, fierce four females. And they're going to be yes. like, wow, what's <laughs> happening there? What, what as is long this? As Michelle Obama is there. I'm gonna be there. <laughs> but I don't, Michelle doesn't play. She's, I don't even think she likes golf, but she don't. Yes. Yeah. She ain't see all this black girl magic. She didn't see all this right? magic. Like she, she yeah, see. we're gonna change her mind. She's gonna be yeah. like, you know what? I guess Barack does play a lot. I could, I could, <laughs> I could, I could try it out, maybe. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, thank you, Sheena. And tell us about like what's happening with Shady Rest. So as we end, is there anything that you want people to do or how can they support you? Yeah, so first and foremost, the preservedshadyrest.org. You can visit, you can donate any any amount counts. They have a donate button there through PayPal. You can donate because we're still in the process of making it a historic museum. Uh, obviously that cost. So um, we're looking for any donations there. As, as far as the golf club itself, anyone could become a member. The deadline for this season though is unfortunately April 30th. And then after this season, we'll take applications for next season. Um, again, this is the first rollout. So we're trying to do it as, you know, best as we can, but we do have an affiliate. You can become an affiliate member that you always stay in a known. You can nail you. you know, we love nail you black people love the address. So yeah. you can get the nail you, but you won't have all the perks in terms of playing. Um, you'll get emails regarding our events and things like that. Um, we do take donations, but those, those donations that we get personally, we send it right back over to the Preserve Shady Rest just to pay homage. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you, Sheena, for joining me on thank this you. episode of Tease Me. And, you know, obviously you're a Shiro uh, Women's History Month. Like Got to celebrate you. And <laughs> yes. I'll see you on the course. Yes, yes, definitely. Okay, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Sheena. Sheena is the real deal. She is a shero out here teaching the kids golf and helping them understand how to see themselves in the game, how to motivate themselves, how to shift their mindset, and how important that is in the professional world and in their lives. Like they won't understand it until they get there. So thank you, Sheena, for being our shero. So as you know, this is season two of Tease Me, and this season is called Gems gems of wisdom that you would get from all of the guests as if we were playing a round of golf right now. So I hope you heard Sheena's gem, the one that she teaches all of the youth, be your own role model. You heard me? Be your own role model. In addition to transforming the minds of youth through golf, Sheena's also leading the Preserved Shady Rest Initiative to raise money and make it a historic landmark. Think about it, 100 years of history reside in that building and on that property. And you know what? You could support too. You know how? Make a donation. Not only make a donation, add Shady Risk to your list of golf courses to play. Nine holes, nine holes of history 
Take some pictures, take some selfies, post them, but make sure that you add Shady Rest to the list of golf courses that you played this season. It's definitely on my list this season. DM me, maybe we could put a foursome together. Maybe we could bet some money and maybe I can beat you for Women's History Month. Kidding, but I'm not kidding. Thanks for joining us. This is Tease Me.
But okay, so from a gym's perspective, you know, the goal is to call you know, me have this conversation, this narrative, and make people question. feel like mm-hmm. they have yeah. access because there are such things we were playing around with golf. Those but usually are rooted in not doing any research. People that I've done a lot of our yeah, I was going to say something, but you can edit it out. I don't think there are stupid questions. I think they're stupid people. Or they're looking to move into new industries. That's true. You have to edit that. I'm not editing that. I'm leaving that because it's very you're really going to need. Let's talk about your trouble. No, no, you had a lot of disclaimer in the beginning. They so you will get in no trouble how well they manage equity and inclusion. But if you had mm-hmm. to give, you know, people out here that are getting their first jobs or that are transitioning into new roles, how, how can they assess the culture of an organization to make sure they don't face the emotional turmoil and issues that come from racial or any kind of discrimination, whether it's LBGTQ, <laughs> or you're in a wheelchair and you find out there are no elevators. Mm-hmm. Like, hmm. How? So what? It, it's interesting. I mean, so I don't know if it's just come with age for me or if I just, you know, have stopped caring as much, but I asked super hard questions during my interviews. I feel like it's a two-way interview and it's not just, you know, them assessing whether or not I'll be, you know, the right person to come in and fill the role, but it's really me assessing them. So the questions I ask are not, they're not softball questions. You know, I'm not sitting there like, oh, pick me, pick me, pick me. And I think, you know, for anybody that's looking to transition, you're going to have to really, truly kick the tires with some of those hard questions. And if those questions, if they falter, if they're like, oh, you're too, whatever, fill in the blank, then you might want to go look someplace else. But, you know, if you want to go someplace and you want to be successful, I think you have to ask those tough questions up front. And granted, you won't get to know the culture or the cultures of any organization, but I think you'll get a better sense of the other thing is network. So if you, you know, you're going to, let's say, a well-known organization, you should have a network of folks who are there or have been there that you can talk to. Um, that's something else. So if I'm looking at any opportunity, I look to see who's already there or has been there or has some connection to the organization. And I'm talking to those folks um, to get a sense of those cultures. Because again, I don't think there's any one culture in, in an organization. I think there's like all these little mini cultures that run around and you can run into one in this division and not in this one. So, you know, as many folks in your network and that's, you know, the network is so important. So one thing I say is that after five years as a professional, you know, coming up, you know, first that you should not have to go to like a job board or LinkedIn or any other place. You should be able to find your opportunities through your network if you built your network the right way. So. That is very powerful. You know, you can't just end there. Now you have to tell people. What that was my gem. That was a gym. No, that was a gym. But now you need to. Now I need definition because people might not know what building your network the right way really means. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there, there's this check the box idea of networking, like how many people can I connect mm-hmm. with and how many people do I know? But it's bigger than that. So just that it right is. way will be the final part of the gym. Sure. So I think the right way really sort of uh, evolves around or, or evolves around playing more golf. That's all I need to hear. Okay. <laughs> And then we can end the conversation there. Oh, I, I, I'm a self-described LinkedIn junkie. Like to this day, like in most of my connections, I have a little, uh, just under 13,000 connections on LinkedIn. I feel like I know them all. And I know that sounds weird, but I'm always on there looking to see where my connections are, what they're talking about, who they know. Uh, and I just really work it. So it's not just having, it's not just being able to say, wow, look at me, I've got, you know, um, it's funny, I, my daughter yesterday we were getting ready for something and I googled myself and so she's sitting there she's 15 
and you know, all this, these different stories and things come up and the Zuho, whatever. And I was like, look, I'm Instagram, I'm internet, internet famous. <laughs> and she's like, well, put my name in. And she was a synchro swimmer and she plays tennis now. And so you plug her name in and like those stories come up and she's like, I'm internet famous too. And so we're just sitting there laughing, but it's not about that. It's really about working that network. It's not enough for me to say, hey, I've got 13,000 connections, look at me. It's really about who are those connections? How are they connected? What are they doing? How can I leverage that, that network? So let's say I wanted to go find another opportunity. I'm not going to, what did, I don't even know the job boards. Um, I, think, I think LinkedIn <laughs> is the job board now. I think it is, but changed that much. It is, but I'm not using it in the, the traditional sense. So I'm not going to that little jobs tab and seeing what jobs are there and then applying for them online. I'm going to, okay, ooh, you know, and I'll just say, you know, some investment bank has an opportunity. Who do I know there? Let me give them a call. You know, let, let's talk and get in that way as opposed to, okay, here's my uploading my resume, cross my fingers and hope that some, you know, hiring uh, talent acquisition person kind of sees who I am from that piece of paper when I know that I'm so much more than that. So that, that's really the, the leveraging using the network the right way is, is not just like counting the number of folks, but really how do you use them to help you evaluate your next opportunities? Okay, I feel like that's the gym, but we'll live in there. <laughs> I thought it was a play more golf, but okay. No, it was, it is, you know, for me, to play more golf. I'll say play more golf and network. So there it is, all of it and together. Well, you network on the golf course. I mean, Absolutely. consulting practice, that's what I did. I mean, most of my clients came from interactions on the golf course. Absolutely. And so we're going to end there, Ron. Thank you. Thank you okay. for joining us on me. And we will be on the course soon as the weather changes. I hope so. Or... We could get on a plane and change the weather, but I'm not yeah, getting on a plane. Ready yet. to get on planes yet? But I haven't. No, not yet. Yeah. Not yet. But getting there. I'm actually giving up my my annual March golf trip down to Florida. So my friends are still going, and I just was like, um, I'm not ready. So okay. Thanks, Ron.